0: There was a storm late this past Wednesday. The wind, the thunder, the rooftop like an army of snare drums pounding incessantly. It was all so full and so alarming that I was not only awake but deeply unsettled. I looked at my phone to check the weather and and sure enough, the storm was raging. All the way up to Minneapolis, Minnesota, down to Louisville, Kentucky, Memphis, Tennessee. It stretched out to Los Angeles, California. And the storm did not subside by Thursday morning, but in fact has only increased and intensified since. What does it mean to be the people of Jesus Christ in a time when the ache for justice and equity is so very raw what does it mean to be the people of jesus christ when when a nation is so parched for the living waters of justice to roll down what does it mean to be the people of jesus christ in the midst of of storms and and blows and thunders that that not only pound our streets but we ourselves do we not also feel the pounding within what does it What does the Lord require of thee, O church, in this time? Praise God we can gather on this Sunday morning, and of all the texts that could be given to us, we have before us Acts chapter 2, as we heard read in the call to worship and then summarized wonderfully as well through this most recent hymn. The people of God, we see, are gathered in one place for the day of Pentecost, the beginning of the Harvest Festival. And we read, there came a sound like the rush of violent wind it filled the entire house where they were. How often we think of God coming into our midst as as a light breeze or a still, small voice, and certainly those are faithful ways God has and God does speak. But in Exodus, Ezekiel... Elsewhere, God's coming is is in the smoke and in the fire and the thunder. Jesus Jesus himself walked into the economic center of his day and turned the tables. And here comes God in Acts chapter 2 with a sound like the rush of violent wind. And then on top of that, divided tongues as of fire upon the people. To be sure, I am not suggesting that the raging storm in these recent days is all the Holy Spirit's doing. The spirit of the Prince of Peace has no part in killings or destructive violence. But it is quite biblical for the Holy Spirit to be made known as a raging holy wind, an unsettling, unpredictable storm, not unto destruction, but unto redemption. And so the question is this, what if the Holy Spirit is blowing just like that, somewhere in this storm. There have been many peaceful protests. There have been some that have broken into a great deal of violence and looting. I do not condone the violence or the looting, and in fact, nor do the black leaders I've seen organizing a number of these protests. And at the same time, I readily recognize what Martin Luther King Jr. said, a riot is the language of the unheard. These protests are not birthed as as one-off events that that came out of nowhere. They are birthed from, from years and generations of black people and brown people who ache for justice, who ache to be seen and not feared, who ache to be heard on their own terms and loved, Individually and in terms of how the structures of society treat them. These protests are born from the fact that our country's original sin, racism, still holds profound sway over our hearts and our structures. I've been especially attentive to my black colleagues and friends in the church these recent days and across the denominational and theological spectrum. The adjectives are these anguish hurt, anger, frustration, sense of helplessness, and also this, all so very familiar. They remain in agreement that for so very long something essential has not been heard by white America and I dare say the white church. And insofar as these protests are a cry to break the bonds of injustice, insofar as these protests are a cry for genuine justice, insofar as these protests are a cry for love, then I do believe the Holy Spirit is in this storm. The Holy Spirit is in that kind of voice. Because that sounds a lot like the spirit that Jesus speaks about, the outside of his ministry that that framed a lot of, of, of all of what he was about. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus proclaims in Luke chapter 4, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, set the oppressed free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And if the Holy Spirit is in this storm, what does it mean for the church to draw near to the Spirit and the Spirit's calling in this time. Minimally, it means that our natural response, my natural response, when the storms come, which is to curl up, throw on the covers, and hope this thing passes pretty soon. Minimally, it means we cannot do that. Something in all of this that swirls is of the Holy Spirit and so we must Remain engaged that we might abide with the Spirit. Indeed, our book of confessions, as Presbyterians, states plainly our call to engagement by way of the confession of 1967. The members of the church are emissaries of peace and seek the good of all in cooperation with powers and authorities in politics, culture, and economics. But they have to fight against the pretensions and injustices when these same powers endanger human welfare. Their strength is in their confidence that God's purpose, rather than human schemes, will finally prevail. And if we doubt this call to engagement, if we doubt the Holy Spirit is somehow stirring amid all of this storm, And and so we are called to remain close to God and remain engaged if we doubt that. Then I invite us to turn into a black church's worship service podcast later this afternoon and see if there isn't an entire wing of the church that has discerned just that. That the Holy Spirit is in the storm and we the church are called to remain therein and love. We read in verse six that all who were present were bewildered, a word that is meant to convey a less than pleasant emotion. There is a sense of fear, a sense of what's going on here, a sense of being out of control. I think, again, normally when we think of the Holy Spirit coming into our midst, the Spirit comes as one who clarifies, who illuminates, who comforts. All true, all biblical. But also, the Spirit's arrival here brings an unsettling stirring, like something hardened and settled needs to be broken and tilled for new growth. It is quite biblical for the Holy Spirit to land upon the heart of a people and bring about bewilderment. So what then is the spirit stirring that is so bewildering in our passage? We read that all those who have gathered into Jerusalem are Jews or Jews who have converted to, to, to Judaism there's a long litany of people groups listed in verses 9 through 11 you heard bill mckenna read they're all present in jerusalem but this long list of of people groups is a list that that essentially names the entire known world at that time all of the cultures and languages known at that time and so yes these are all jewish people but they're coming from all these different cultures and language groups that they now live having been exiled so many years ago they come to jerusalem and yes in one sense they're all the same they're jewish but Oh my goodness, they are all so very different, culturally and linguistically. Verse four tells us they're bewildered because how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? They're wondering, how do you speak your language? We're speaking our language, but all of us are hearing and understanding one another. How is it that such a surprisingly diverse people are gathering and understanding one another? And Peter's sermon highlights all the more clearly why else this is so bewildering. This, Peter says this, what's happening right here with the Spirit upon the church, is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams even upon your slaves, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. Which is to say the Holy Spirit is fundamentally upending and disrupting the deeply stratified social order of that day. And so the bewildering miracle here is not only that that all the people groups could, could hear and understand one another, even though they're speaking their own language, but also that they could hear one another without hierarchy. The spirit here shows no prejudice, no ageism, no racism, which means this is not only a miracle of of communication and understanding, but also a miracle of justice. Have we sensed bewilderment in these recent days. And what if it's a sign of not of just how near, not far but just how near the Holy Spirit is? What if we are bewildered because like in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit is upending unequal platforms on which we have been accustomed to living in our society and even our church? what if we're bewildered because like in acts chapter 2 the holy spirit is is resetting and retuning our ears to a new frequency wherein we can hear and understand the voices of those we have far too often neglected or overlooked devalued or not understood what if our bewilderment is the holy spirit helping us to hear and understand our black sisters and brothers And can we trust that if it is is God who's doing this to our hearing, can we trust that that if, if we step off our familiar platform and lean in to listen, that the Holy Spirit will in fact grant us ears to hear on their own terms and their own language and love therein? And what would that look like? very practically, how might we, the white church, truly hear and understand our black brothers and sisters in this time? So much can be said about that. Let me just say three brief things. One, I am working with a group of folks in the church to put together a, a list of resources a list of articles list of podcast episodes video clips youtube clips different resources that come from different black authors black writers black leaders black pastors black christians that you all might have a, a place to go where you can just start to listen in and learn the voice and the concerns and the aches and the hopes Straight from those voices that again, we can so often be unfamiliar with or have neglected or overlooked. So looking to put together that resource and, and hoping to have that out at some point this week and and that will give you some guidance about how you might wanna walk through that particular resource. Uh, a second one, I am obviously not a black person and here I am inviting us to listen to the black church but, but there is a unique opportunity. Um, I haven't set a date but in two or three weeks one evening, there will be a special zoom forum where i will share my story with race and racism as a white male growing up in a presbyterian evangelical household and what it is to discover race and racism and, and and my part in all of this and it's a it's a it's a messy story it's an awkward story it's a vulnerable story like all of our stories and no again i'm not a black person but but i do think there is there is healing in our community, if we can just start putting words to what God is trying to get through in our church these days, especially us as white Christians. And so I will invite you to tune in and listen into uh, my story and all of its mess and all of its brokenness. And, and perhaps in, in, in hearing some of my testimony, uh, the Spirit will connect things in your own heart and what the Spirit's up to and give you voice to start finding what it is that the spirit wants to do with our hearts so an opportunity again just to hear a testimony of the spirit's work and 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 where the spirit is still very much uh, at work in my life i hope that proves a a ministry that, that connects to us third if you're looking for a helpful read Maybe the articles, the podcast, whatever comes, that sounds great, but maybe you want extended time with the voice of one of our black, one of our black brothers and sisters in the faith. Maybe you try something like Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Or I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. Or maybe Disunity in Christ, Uncovering the Hidden Forces That Keep Us Apart by Christina Cleveland. Or maybe you go with The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism by Jamar Tisby. Or maybe Jesus and the Disinherited by Howard Thurman. Don't worry about having to write all those down. I can get those out to you. But all of those black authors, all of those Christian authors, Not a single one of those, I promise you, will be comfortable to read. Comfort and easy agreement are not the point, however. The point is that if we believe our bewilderment is the Holy Spirit inviting us into the miracle of a new listening, a new understanding, then we definitely need to step from our familiar platform, lean in, and risk whatever the Holy Spirit has for us. And it's never unto destruction. It is always unto redemption. This is not a right or left issue. This is not an issue for the real racists over there. As if the virus has not been coursing through the veins of our whole society for 400 years and all of us have a strand of it. This is a painful reality for which we give thanks. We have a Savior anointed by the Spirit who came to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the captives, sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and also by his death to reconcile people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And the good news as well is not only that he came, past tense, but present tense, There is a real storm at hand. The wind, the thunder, the rooftop of our hearts like an army of snare drums pounding incessantly. It is the Holy Spirit stirring somewhere out there but also very much in here. May we not fall asleep on this most holy of stirrings. May we today take the first step off of our familiar platform and then lean into a new humility as we seek to hear and understand and seek justice alongside our black and brown sisters and brothers that all might share one day in total and complete bewilderment at what the lord has done let us go to our god in prayer Most gracious and holy God, our prayer this day begins in pain, in grief, in anger, in anguish, in confusion, in in bewilderment. We ache for our country. We ache for our black sisters and brothers. We ache for your broken church. We ache for the well-being and safety of peacekeepers who pursue not simply the absence of violence, but the flourishing of every person. We ache. And yet, truth be told, we do not want to stop aching lest we draw too far away from your most holy work. And so we ache and we pray. We pray for those recovering even this moment from injuries to their bodies and to their businesses from last night's looting and violence. We pray for the police, for the firefighters as they seek to protect and preserve life. We pray for all who protest as they seek to make visible the pain and cry for justice. We pray for ourselves, we open ourselves to your probing spirit and ask that you help us see our own failings, our own complicity, the way our own silences have contributed to a broken reality. Help us see not that we might be weighed down, but that we might confess and be lifted up and join in the work you have for us. Specifically, we pray that you might continue to stir a new humility among us that we might lean in and listen. Help us, Holy Spirit, to hear your voice speaking through our black and brown sisters and brothers. Help us hear your voice calling forth in the cries for justice and equality and love. Help us hear your voice through the myriad of scriptures in which you call us, your people, to hear, to listen, to remain awake. Help us hear. We pray to Holy Spirit that you continue to make yourself known in the storm. In fact, we're so bold as to pray that wherever your holy storm is at work, that it would not cease until every system and vestige of racism is broken. We pray for every measure of its insidious power to be broken wherever it may be found in your church, wherever it may be found in our education system, wherever it may be found in our law enforcement and systems of justice, wherever it may be found in our neighborhoods, and our families, wherever it may be found, at each of our hearts. And keep up your holy storm until in its place, in every place, you birth the people of every tribe, tongue, and nation who truly hear and understand one another in their own language and who are together raised into a profound justice and love. We pray for our children, To whom we ache to provide a world made evermore in your image. How can we hand them this nation now on fire? Teach us how to love them and train them and empower them that they might have now and have always ears to hear and eyes, ears to hear as you hear and eyes to see as you see, hands that serve as you serve and love that advocates as you advocate. We pray for the most senior adults among us. May they know a fresh outpouring of your spirit which falls upon all of us, regardless of gender, race, or age. May you grant them new dreams and visions of what you are doing and will do in this world. We join in mourning for the families of Ahmad Aubrey, Brianna Taylor, and George Floyd. And pray for your spirit's comfort and justice to be made known. Amid this storm, we do note the strong whisper of profound gratitude. On this Pentecost Sunday, we are mindful of all the saints of God around the world and throughout every generation whom you have called, whom you have poured out your spirit. We give thanks to those saints who have gone before us and who have faithfully passed on the faith to us. Help us honor the race they ran through the manner in which we now run our race. We make our prayer in Jesus' name who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven,